Listeners, do you like to read? This is going to be the big important question of the day. And if you don't like to read, why don't you like to read? And what is your substitute for reading? Because if you don't read, your brain will remain in need. I'm here today with David Olney. How are you, David? Very well. Wearing my dark grey Blind Insights t-shirt and drinking a coffee. Yeah, one of uh, six, I believe, right? Seven. Seven, apologies. All the major colour groups. <laughs> one for every day of the week. Absolutely. <laughs> Ready for anything, particularly being an advert for the podcast. Absolutely. Of course, you can find our merchandise on shop.ozcastnetwork.com. Or if you find me, you can find our merchandise. And if you pay me a lot of money, you can buy my t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Pre-worn by David. Mm, what more do you want? Particularly on a 46 degree day, it'll be perfect. <laughs> mm. um, of course you can also find us on facebook we now have a facebook page as our little kind of housekeeping announcement at the start here um, you can find that at facebook.com forward slash blind insights i believe we're adding interesting things to it as we go along so anything we run into that we think would be worth your time and effort to listen mm. to or watch so it's sort of a curated way to not having to wade through ted or YouTube, or other things, because we've done it for you. Mm, true. So, so trust the Tim and David. True. We have your best interests at heart. So that's www.facebook.com forward slash blind insights. Now, David, I've been procrastinating starting this episode a little bit because I'm going to have to admit right at the start, I don't read enough. I really don't. And my, my substitute is TED Talks or mm. podcasts, but... I, I still feel I should be reading more. And I think this is why it's important to talk about this because historically the way to indicate you know, thoughtful people in our society and in a lot of societies is how many books can you talk about. So it's a rather arbitrary standard. Um, but there's still something important about reading. And I'm going to extend that to there's something important about listening. And I'm going to mm. take that a step further and say there's something less good about watching. Mm. So, listeners, to give you context, uh, when I had the little bit of sight I had as a kid, I would read either using huge magnification in glasses, which meant my eyes were about eight centimetres from the page. So you can imagine what that did to my neck. Or when it came along, closed circuit TV, where I would make the writing you know, at least... 20 centimetres tall, and read word at a time. Mm. So in both cases, my reading rate was horribly slow, maybe 100 words a minute. And by special education, this was deemed to be just fine, and they didn't think it was a good idea to teach me Braille at the same time. <laughs> so I'll go grumble, 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 and then we move on. So reading was a nightmare, so I barely read because it was just so exhausting. But... Because of dad reading to me, mum reading to, my aunt reading to me, having great primary school teachers who each day would pick a news item from you know, the advertiser, the main paper here in Adelaide, and read to us the start of each day in primary school. I got this incredible love of reading without being able to read. Mm. So what today is really about is reading and listening, I think, are probably very much the same thing. And that they're both really, really good. 
and that you know, this is what I've said in other podcasts before. I'm the weird dude who Sunday afternoon on the ABC when it used to be all arts programming would be there on the couch ready to go with my acoustic guitar, you know, just practicing quietly while absorbing every documentary on SBS or ABC. But always from the perspective side of people were watching, I was listening. Mm. And there's a big difference between listening and watching. So even when technology came along and the computer could read to me, that's the closest I've ever been to reading, as you guys would know it, at any speed, but with a synthetic voice reading to me that sounds like an overeducated Dalek. You know, my laptop reads to me on average at about 270 words a minute. Hey, that's pretty fast. It, there's a lot of blind people who go way faster than me. Wow. There's people regularly reading at 400, 430 Holy words a minute. Holy cow. Okay. But I'm like, no, because I want to remember, think about and appreciate what I read. So I've sort of stopped at about where I've stopped because that's the point where I can chow through stuff and understand it and learn and appreciate it. Mm. And so when I tell you to read, I'm telling you to read because it's the historical thing to say. But what I think what I want us to talk about is you don't read a lot, but you listen a lot to podcasts mm. and you watch a lot of TED and YouTube. Mm. Is it different for you reading, listening, and watching? Because I think that's the starting point into getting why I think reading and listening are very similar and are the, the beneficial ones. But I want your take first on how reading, listening, and watching are different. Or are they different for you? I'm going to give a little bit of history here. Perhaps irrelevantly personal, but my mum, as an educator, always made an effort to read to me. And was reading to me until I was about eight. Awesome. And so I have, I had a big love for books. I would always ask her to read to me. Mm. Always. And so I think I was conditioned, even at that age, to enjoy being talked to, to enjoy listening. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So I think that is a, a big explainer for me. And. I made it through most of high school doing high-level English and assessing books without actually reading them. Did you cheat on <laughs> sort of the major books and get them as audio books or you just did the high school thing of cheating? When I did a – no, I just did a high school thing of cheating except yeah. except for a personal study where I read 1984 and Fahrenheit 451. Awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, those are pretty influential books for mm. me, and that's because I actually read them. In 1984, I had the audiobook, but I have a leather-bound copy as well, which I've read some of. Okay. The, the audiobook was enough. But yeah. even there, you went towards the listening because mm. it got you in your happy space and you absorbed more space. Yeah. Something about it allows me – I don't have to focus on reading so much. I'm a slow reader, and that's because I don't practice. And yeah. so I think – when I'm when I'm stuck in that cycle, it's like a vicious cycle of I don't read because I'm slow and because I'm slow at it, like I don't read. It. Yeah, it's hard to pick up again. My position is, what is going to motivate me to start to practice to read again? Yeah. Well, or do you even need to mm. if most things can be listened to? Mm. Okay, you're an Android phone user, so mm-hmm. I don't know how to get a killer voice on your phone to make it read <laughs> to you in near human speech. Mm. But I'm sure we could. Mm. So even if it was you know, just PDFs, Kindle books, the internet, mm-hmm. I'm sure we could get it reading most things to you. I know exactly how to do it on an iPhone because it's what I do all the time. But 
you know, I've had several dyslexic students where reading just, it makes life so slow and painful for them. Mm. But the minute they can listen rather than read, the rate they can go through material at and absorb at and be confident about just goes through the roof. Mm. So, okay, we haven't finished the, the initial thing. What's it like mm. for you watching? What does watching do for your brain or for your ability to remember or absorb or engage? Well, this will come out after the Penny Lacasso episode. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk a bit about being distracted because I think ever since that recording that episode, I have been very aware of how of distracted, yeah, yeah, how distracted I get. And, you know, I'll sit with Jade and we'll watch a TV show, but then I'll get distracted by, you know, I'll play video games or like just in like a handheld video game or I'll be on my phone and I'm distracted while I'm already engaging in something that's leisurely. And so I can pay attention when it's it's more important and more engaging and it's thinking about ideas. So I think, yeah, watching in terms of in a leisurely way does not engage. Pointless. Yeah, completely pointless. What happens if it's, say, a really interesting you know, TED talk or a really good you know, YouTube interview with you know, someone you want to understand? That's a bit easier to focus? Definitely. So when I watch Joe Rogan is a good example, actually, mm. because it allows me to compare the difference between the podcast and the, the YouTube video. When I watch a Joe Rogan, I'm often more engaged than when I'm listening to a Joe Rogan. And I'm not sure if that's just because of the time I set aside to do it. Um, because you've made that deliberate choice. Yeah. Okay. So I think there there are some things that do engage me more when I'm watching them um, as opposed to listening, but I think most of what I'm learning is through listening. Okay, so th- this is really interesting and important because my argument was going to be that essentially – the visual is for surviving in the world. The I visual historically is for situational awareness. Listening comes from storytelling mm-hmm. and storytelling in our species and language. You know, the standard archaeological, anthropological arguments are once we had fire, people could sit around the fire at night. They couldn't see each other, mm-hmm. but they could listen to each other. So that storytelling and recounting the day and making sense of the day, and connecting with people relaxed at the end of the day, safe near the fire, with full stomachs. Well, hopefully for days hunting and gathering went well. Should really be gathering and hunting, because we know that the majority of food eaten was gathered, not hunted. Mm. That hunts worked sometimes. Gathering worked regularly, or you all starved and died. But the point being is that listening became such an important way to understand your group, your group stories, which then becomes the foundation of myth, religion, all from listening. So sight during the day was for the world to survive. Listening was for the quiet times to think and learn and belong. So there's a deep historical separation. And reading is kind of a way to capture speech Mm. permanently, but it's divorced from it because you don't have the joy of the inflection of the person's voice you try and make use of the punctuation. And when you read, do you, in a sense, hear it in your head or is it a silent process? I never thought about it. No, I have to talk to myself when I read. See, that's interesting is because when I was using closed circuit TV or mass magnification, I would sound out the words in my head to stop myself getting frustrated at reading so slow. Yeah. So even when I was being silent, I was thinking of it in terms of language. Yeah. And 
you know, even when it's the overeducated Dalek on my laptop, and I'll bring my laptop in the studio one day so you can hear what I mean. Mm. You know, I deliberately keep this reasonably artificial voice on rather than a near human on my laptop because it's so much better at speed than the near human voices. Mm. The near human voices start tripping over themselves at speed. But something in the listening gives you what you need to feel connected to it, or at least for me, but also then only so much of your brain is engaged, so you're free to both analyse and listen simultaneously. It becomes an active endeavour. My nuance in in how I was describing my experience with something like Joe Rogan I think is similar to how you describe listening to an audiobook where the author is the one reading. reading. Yeah. Okay. I think that there, for maybe a majority of people, watching them talk, you don't get a whole lot of information. Mm. But I think that certain people, when you watch them talk, you can get more information than just from listening. Yeah, there's a dynamism to people. Mm. From a visual perspective with Joe Rogan, the set is always the same. Yeah. The lighting is always the same. Yeah. Joe basically dresses the same every episode. Pretty well, yeah. Okay, so what we're saying here is that even though it's visual, it's got a consistency which means you can ignore most of it as the situation has remained the same. Yeah, then maybe that's the pattern because it's not all videos that I can watch where the no. visual isn't a distraction. So the visual is there and if anything acts as a focus, it's not distracting because it's the same. If it turns out that the guest is a good visual communicator, you get an extra layer. But it's it's kind of more listening with icing yeah, than it is watching as the primary thing you're doing. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Okay, so this is really interesting. So we've got to this point here that you know, reading and writing are kind of a substitute for being able to listen to everything or speak the story to everyone. Mm. But that visual communication, when it's about the ideas and the essence of a person's ideas, you want as many things of the visual to be static so that the listening is still deep and only informed by the visual if it adds value. Mm. Well, that's why podcasts is the next Gutenberg revolution. Precisely. Because we're back to, we're too busy to be able to stop and look down at the paper book. Mm. Or we're too tired from screens for all you sighted people. And I definitely see this in what my wife says at the end of the day. So many of my friends, and even you make the point, how long do you spend each day looking at screens? By the time you edit a podcast sitting at your laptop, (laughs) yes, you're listening, but you're also using the screen to do all the editing. Yeah. How knackered are you of screens by the end of the day? Oh, once I've finished it, the last thing I want to do is more anything. Yeah, time. more screen time. Okay. So it's either going to be talk to Jade or a podcast by that point? Uh, pretty well. Do the dishes. I'll, I'll at least do some other things. Mm. Yeah. But the wonderful thing of listening, do dishes, listen. Yeah, that's right. Do vacuuming, listen. Fold clothes, mm. listen. Mm. Whatever it is, that wonderful capacity to be able to do something that keeps you moving, which at a very fundamental level makes our bodies happy, but also listen, which makes our brains happy. So even though they're two different things, you end up with a happy body and a happy brain. You've got the, you've got the yoga, you've got meditation, right? So you don't, do you listen to things when? Well, that's the really interesting thing because the Ashtanga practice is you do the postures in the order you're doing them Mm -hmm. and you only make micro refinements as you go. Mm -hmm. I very often have either an audio book or music on in the background Mm. 
because it's a case that because I'm only doing micro refinements, my brain can wander from the practice and I don't want it to wander into planning the day. Whereas if I give it an audio book, it's exactly what you're describing of, say, doing the dishes and listening to a podcast. Yeah. Body's very happy from the yoga. Brain's very calm from the yoga. Brain is very receptive to learning what's in the audio book or the podcast I'm listening to. With music, I'll put stuff on that's just nice background. Actually, it's not nice background music. What did I listen to the other morning? Yesterday morning, I was listening to a Perfect Circles first album. Mm. Now, that may not seem like the perfect yoga movement, music but when you're doing the hard edge of yoga why the hell not yeah well, <laughs> you know, i think especially from the way that you approach the practice yeah, yeah. yeah i'm not probably not going to listen to corn while practicing <laughs> but a perfect circle was awesome mm. yeah so i mean i still like corn it's all groovy i just not <laughs> going to practice to it but it's not it's just not what you would picture for yoga yeah and yet i can't do kind of hippie ambient sound because I, I'm already calm. Can you do jazz? Um, I reckon you could crank some yoga to some Dave Brubeck or something. But I can enjoy that. I don't think I've ever deliberately had jazz on while I'm practicing. And not because I don't like jazz, but because when I want jazz, it's very specific times of day, month, and year. Mm. So this is a jazz hour. <laughs> and yoga somehow is either learn while doing mm. or have something with a driving intensity. So I find disturbed albums are awesome for yoga. Yeah, there you go. Or at least for my yoga. Yes, yes, yeah. Which probably means I'm the angry Ashtangi. <laughs> well, I think there is a good argument here to be made about preparing yourself psychologically for the way that you're engaging with your activities and what you're listening to. Because mm. if I'm at gym, I'm almost exclusively listening to metal um, because it provides me with energy and, and it puts me in that mind frame. If yep. I'm doing my homework, if I'm writing an essay, I almost exclusively listen to jazz, yep. mostly Dave Brubeck, and it'll put me in the mind frame of, all right, I need to focus. And if I stray from that pattern, it's a bit like going to bed without brushing your teeth. It just feels wrong. Yeah. The day hasn't worked the way it's meant to work. That's right. And this is the thing here. Like, listeners, as you've probably already grasped, even though the intro said, you know, read or your brain is in need, <laughs> really what we're moving towards is read or listen mm. because both things take enough effort to know you're there but free your brain enough to do something with the input. You know, this is the one problem for people listening is if you're not good at maintaining concentration, you can just zone out from listening. From us talking about this, I've always known that I love to listen so it comes easy. sounds like you love to listen too and it comes easy so your brain doesn't tend to drift too bad when you're listening. Mm. It wants to keep listening. So mm. I suppose reading is that double-down discipline that if your brain drifts, reading stops. So that's both a cue that you're not really reading but also makes it then potentially hard to enjoy reading. Whereas listening, you can zombie out just for a few seconds. Like, you know, if I've tried to kick up into a handstand, I'm not listening at that moment. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And that's fine. But I'll fall down a few seconds later, so it's okay. Mm. <laughs> and then I'll start listening again. So there's a discipline in reading. There's a discipline in you know, reading and listening. It's different disciplines, but there's a discipline in both. Mm. In watching my feeling is there's too much just the habituation for sighted people. The once your eyes are open, you're always 
making sense of the situation and in a very unconscious is there a threat is there chocolate is there a threat is there chocolate kind of way it's kind of useful mm. but it's not going to grow your day mm. or at least that's my outsider's perspective on it no i'd agree with that yeah. so what we're saying here listeners is you need to read or listen because it will help you grow your brain but the first step in helping to make that happen is working out what you need to do to read or listen. And it's okay to read and stop and pause and go, whoa, I need to ponder on that. That's why we all can either, you know, tap our AirPods to make them stop you know, making noise or why I'll hit the control key on my laptop to stop it talking or I'll say, hey, Siri, pause you know, when I'm listening on the HomePod because at times you just need to stop and go, okay, that's worth pondering on. Mm. But you were listening enough to know you need to ponder. Mm. Whereas when people describe to me the whole thing of binging eight episodes of something in a Saturday, and they go, oh, it was awesome. I go, well, why? Oh, you know, just the whole story arc. Well, now that's one big thing. <laughs> Can you tell me about all the little things? And quite often they'll just say, not that it was awesome, but just it was fun. Yeah. But they can't tell me any more than it was fun. Am I asking for too much by thinking that things should both be fun and informative? Is that too much? I think about this a lot. Generally because of my English background, I think about it a lot with films where things like comedies are incredibly superficial, but I really enjoy the dramas that have themes and there's stuff to analyse in a film. It's what's turn, what turns me away from TV shows where, you know, because I, I don't think that those those themes are explored over and over again. I don't find that interesting. I'd much rather sit down for two hours and think about something like, you know, V for Vendetta is a good example. Mm. It's a classic English book. Uh, uh, classic. Uh, well, it's, it was a graphic novel first. Mm. So a classic uh, English study in, in high school in Australia. Uh, same with um, like Atonement, which was made into a film. Yeah, and yet with Atonement, the only thing I really like about the movie is using the typewriter as part of the soundtrack. Yes, that was awesome. Yeah, that is just that one thing you go, why, until you get it. Yeah. Oh, penny drop. And for all of you who haven't seen it, go watch, and by about two-thirds of the way through, you'll get why you're hearing the typewriter. Yes. And for those of you who know, double down that you worked it out. <laughs> yeah, so there's. I think about that a lot, whether, whether, it, whether you can expect that everything that you watch should also have a message, a story, a moral, something that you need to pull out of it, something that's informative. Like why, if we tell stories for those reasons, should everything have to, should you have to engage with everything in that way? Okay, this is going to be so off track, but it fits here in a strange way. Mm -hmm. My interesting read for this week Mm -hmm. was one of the daily deals on Audible, a book by Caitlin Doty called Smoke Gets In Your Eyes. I can't remember what comes after the colon in the subtitle, but it's something along the lines of life lessons learned from working in a crematory. Mm. So Caitlin, um, as a little kid, saw a kid fall in a mall and go squish. So probably had post-traumatic stress from like age eight at some level. Mm. Fixated on death. Mm. Uh, Undergrad degree on medieval literature focusing on death. Mm. And because I've got to come to grips with this fixation on death. It's consuming too much of my brain without any answers. So at 23, goes and gets a job running the device 
that burns bodies. I can't remember what it's called, even though I've read the book. So the whole book is about coming to terms with being in the death industry. Mm. And she makes the point in it that one of the big things that being so close to death every day is it makes you realise trying to hang on to youth is not a valid use of your limited time. Filling your limited time with ideas and experiences and things that add value and help you achieve things you value is what matters. Mm. And I thought, okay, I haven't had that exposure to death she's had, but I realise that's how and why I read books and why you know, I'm sitting here making podcasts with you mm. because time is precious. Mm-hmm. Purpose to me, meaning in life is I couldn't function without it. Mm-hmm. And meaning drives me to constantly seek even just a little bit of meaning in things. It's why when I come in the studio in the morning and you know, I'm first one here and then Liam turns up and Liam will tell me about some cool comedy thing he's just listened to. Mm-hmm. And I try and listen and I try and be interested because it's Liam and Liam is interesting and a very likable human being. Mm. But I never go follow up on comedy because I don't care. Mm. There's no meaning in it. Mm. Like I will laugh at a joke in something meaningful <laughs> happily, but will I go and seek a half hour of laughing? I'm a fairly happy guy despite recognizing the world's in deep shit. Yeah. I don't need to find comedy to get some up endorphins. I can generate my own up endorphins from practicing and listening to a perfect circle and doing a podcast. I don't need any more up endorphins. So if you can make your own up endorphins, the constant drive is things have to have just a taste of meaning in them and ideally more than a taste. Here's what most people, I think, listening to this are going to be saying. Does everything we do have to have a purpose? Does it all have to have a meaning or can it be fun can it be whimsical and is there anything shameful should they feel guilty about that like i'm sure you do think you know when we go out for lunch for instance you know we'll maybe sometimes have a drink or two and that can be can be productive sometimes it is not to my mind i think where i'm heading is okay normally i'm weird before tim turns the mic on i do funny voices (laughs) i just do non sequiturs of words and see where i end up I end up in my Winston Churchill voice doing nursery rhymes. It's bizarre. One day I'll do a whole episode in Winston Churchill voice. <laughs> if we get enough requests, I'll actually do it. So indicate in the comments you want a Winston Churchill episode. Oh, it'll happen. Oh, God. How am I going to cope? <laughs> but I think we had a wonderful quote in an episode, uh, and I wish I could remember. That's that point of how can you enjoy leisure time if you haven't, done something purposeful first. Yeah, that's right. And to me, I got no problem with downtime mm. if what we've already done was meaningful. Yeah. So if my Saturday started with a leisurely brunch, I'm probably going to go and read a book after to balance the books. Mm. That there's got to be some meaning in the day. It doesn't have to be the whole day. But even if it's you know, us having a drink after a podcast or you know, me being silly before the podcast and you laughing along with my silliness. <laughs> In that is the desire to and validation of connecting with other people who matter. I was just thinking that as you were talking about it. Yeah, it's still not meaningless. It's still not frivolous. Yeah, it's people and people matter. 
This is the intersection with William Glass's choice theory episode, right? Mm. Mm. That you know, you're investing in it because it's fun, but still under that is people matter. And the people I'm doing brunch with or you know, us having a drink after or me being goofy before and you're laughing, it matters because it's the people you're doing it with and they matter. Mm. So I, even though there's definitely a thing called downtime, and even though probably the closest I get to meaningless listening is probably my favourite genre for that is military sci-fi. Mm. It's my happy place of just goofily laying on the couch. You know, so Marco Clues' series, first book is called Terms of Enlistment. So go look up Terms of Enlistment on Audible. It's an awesome military sci-fi book, then followed by, I think, there's now six in the series. And it's Earth initially at war in space, you know, between different blocks of countries for good colony planets. Then a species turns up that goes, you are annoying rats, we want these planets. Mm. And we suddenly realise if we do not come together and by about book four, it's at the point that we're fighting with them over Mars to stop them before they destroy Earth. Mm. So it's you know, potentially end of species stuff. Mm. And yet I find it, thoroughly enjoyable because the science fiction ideas are still interesting. The portrayal of humanity is still interesting. The portrayal of fighting for survival rather than over space is an interesting transition of how humans adapt and evolve. So I'm a terrible example. Even in my fun downtime, they're still thinking. I want to be like that though. I I, I think about this a lot. I, I, I really do. M- mainly because... Jade, I think, by nature is someone who sits down and binge watches TV shows. And I've always had an interest in films. And it's been a weird, not conflict, but it's, 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 it's been a weird tension between I want to show her these films, you know, I want to, I want to watch Pulp Fiction or I want to mm. watch. I'll come and sit with you while you yeah. watch Pulp Fiction. Yeah, that's it. We'll get three pizzas and four bottles of red. It'll be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> At the moment, we're watching a TV show called Dexter. Oh, Dexter's fantastic. Yeah. Mm. So I'm, I'm I'm glad that you've seen it. See that that's mm. an interesting thing. So the books are great too. Well, there's so there's books. Well, I see. <laughs> there's there, books. There's books. Uh, you know, it, it's interesting that it's based on a book. I think often the mm. the best examples of films and TV shows that have themes to explore and and, and lessons to extract and and thoughts. What to keeps a huge on, team based in books who are making a film or a TV series on track? So yeah, that's true. One of the only things I've binged, like the whole series, after it had been on episode at a time, and then again is Altered Carbon. But yeah. again, if it's in my thing of you know, fairly brutal sci-fi, mm. it's not overtly military, but it's still brutal, mm. and I like it because of all the questions about consciousness: what is human? How do you define identity? How do you have the same identity when you're now in a different body? Mm. It's just there's great questions in it. But yeah, that is just spectacular. But then so was the book. Yep. So, so anyway. Blade Runner is a good example of yeah. that as well. Yeah. Hijacked you, man. You were trying to get to a point oh. about you and Jade <laughs> uh, watching different things. Well, I do find myself feeling inherently guilty, shame, shameful, shame. There's something about sitting down and watching a bunch of TV shows that I, I just don't feel productive. It puts me in a so, bad mood, a bad state about my, about think of myself poorly after doing it. Is it sort of the thing I was saying about, you know, Caitlin Doty making the point that what working near death made her realise is don't waste your time. Like That's not saying every moment yeah. has to be productive, but 
find as much beauty, meaning, purpose, complete as many things you value as you can because time is limited. Is it that kind of time thing ticking? Totally. This is the weird balance, right? Fully, I'm on board with saying that we should be doing things that we value. And then I can immediately hear voices of particular people in my head that would say something like, do you have to be thinking about everything that you do so deeply? Do I need to be assessing, when I go to the cinema, do I need to be assessing this as, is this something that I'm, that I value? That's a weird example though, because mm. I'm hanging around with people usually that I'm getting good social value. So the film is irrelevant once again. It's yeah. who you went to the movie with that matters. That's right. And yeah. so the same with probably playing video games. If you're playing with people that matter, matter, then the game isn't a thing to share yeah, exactly. with people who matter. That's right. It's the same as playing a board game with friends. Yeah. Now, and that's the value of games to me is not the game. Yes. That's why you know, chess, I liked and it bored the shit out of me. Viking chess, I like more. Mm. But I like the people I play these games with more than I like the games. Yeah, that's right. So I think, you know, to an extent, some of that will come naturally. I just, I'm, I'm having second thoughts about kind of putting this judgment out there that, you know, for our listeners and perhaps, you know, even for myself, that having a, having a day where you, you know, binge watch an entire season of a TV show, that maybe I should feel, I shouldn't feel good about that at the end of the day. I certainly wouldn't come to you though and brag about it. I would probably, like, it personally. It's interesting that you had an example of someone saying that to you. Well, yeah, people just come and tell me how much, oh, we sat and did, you know, watched this whole series. Yeah. Like it's a badge of honor. Which I, I, I just, like, I wouldn't do. I don't understand that. No. Yeah. <laughs> it, we got so far <laughs> off topic, but the, the essence of it, I think, is that listening and reading free your brain. Maybe mm. the visual doesn't. They free your brain to grow. But at some level, you have to have decided that your brain thinking about stuff challenging what you believe, challenging what you think, gaining knowledge to help you do the next thing. If that's your default state, reading and listening are a joy. Mm. And it's not that you have to read. I'd like you all to try. Mm -hmm. But as long as you're listening, because listening will take enough energy to sort of make you feel engaged, but leave you free to think about what you're listening to. I, I still want to bring it, I just want to conclude a little off-track part and I want to draw it back to William Glass's choice theory again. Okay. Because I think that you're reading and, and you're listening and engaging with things that you know that you value. They're already in your quality world and you just find it that's a good. Yeah, that's a quality yeah. world action yeah. and, and, and giving in to the whim of doing something that you perhaps you, were, you don't know the value in, you know, binge-watching a sitcom, for instance, because that you know that harder harder to pull the value out of that. Giving into the whim of watching a, sip, a sitcom for you know, the entire day is not something that's going to improve or or contribute to your your quality world. That that I think is where the distinction is. I think it's perhaps easier to draw on that because then you're not making a judgment about what people are watching. Yeah, that's a really good way to view it because there's times where Karen and I will sit in the couch. Mm. And she'll be watching one thing on her iPad and I'm listening to something on my phone, but we're sitting on the couch doing it together. That's a good point. So the irony is the thing matters less than the fact the person who matters is sitting beside you. Mm. So really, you're right. It does in a very big way come down to follow what's in your quality world and the the boredom or disinterest or questions of is this worth doing really comes up because 
something isn't yet in your quality world and may never be. But you need to be open to seeing if it can be. But also then going, well, no, it doesn't fit. So really, we have both got listening so deep in our quality world. Yeah. But listening for a very particular reason. Listening to learn, to give our brains things to go, wow, that's interesting, or wow, that's cool, or wow, that's challenging. Because all those things fit our quality world sense of this is a journey that requires constant stimulus and an openness to change. Yeah, yeah. Well, I want to do an experiment, David. Mm. Between now and perhaps a later episode where this thematically comes up again, I'm going to use a service called Blinkist. Now, for our listeners out there, this is a service that effectively sums up non-fiction books in about 15 minutes. Perfect size chunks like TED Talks. Yeah, basically, yeah, because it's a, your average attention span on on like a podcast, I think, is about 20 minutes. Ours are all too long, but they're going to stay <laughs> that way. Well, people can listen to them in, know, chunks. in three chunks. <laughs> yeah. So they've got about 3,000 non-fiction books on, you know, uh, mindfulness, on psychology, on whatever it is. And in fact, a lot of the books that we talk about on this podcast, mm. they have already summed up. So I think I'm going to do that. And it's going to be my way to engage with you on these books that you bring up because a lot of the time you're mentioning authors and books that I have never heard of or mm. have heard of and not read. And you need the way as a listener to go bite-sized chunk while I'm doing the dishes. Yep. Bang, starting point. Yep. Yeah. Brilliant idea. Enough to ask the questions. Yep. <laughs> Uh, and you know it's not particularly expensive. I don't want to get into a sponsorship kind of thing, but well, know. if they're willing to sponsor us, please do. <laughs> Blink us, let us know. But the 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 point is that there are ways I think to access books in in a short form kind of way because I think there's two parts to why they're not as popular as they perhaps should be. One is you know we don't have enough time, mm. which I don't buy into a lot a lot of people say they don't have enough time and then they'll go binge watch a tv show on the weekend mm. uh, the other thing is that a book is a big commitment yes reading an entire book you know 200 pages whatever it is especially if you're a slow reader like myself you mm. know it could take you a month um yeah you know. and that's a lot of time that's one twelfth of a year on one book yeah that's right I, I the fastest i've ever read anything was a book in a week so even which is pretty good yeah, whereas on 46-degree days, I'll knock a book off in a day. Yeah, there you go. Exactly, yeah. So it, it, it's if, – if if I were to listen I, – but I but I can commit to listening to even two 15-minute – Yeah, you'll smash through so much material. Yeah, things a day. That's right. I, I, I want to bring up a quote, though, because I want to ask you while I'm bringing this quote up. Do you remember every like, – because you've got an amazing memory, but do you remember – every book that you've read and do you remember everything that you've read from them? Because we're talking about reading as if what you get from it stays with you. No, th no, there's whole books I've just completely forgotten. And all I try and remember is a few key concepts and the author's name and if possible, the book's name so I can go back and revisit if I need to. Yeah. Mm. I, I've never had you know, anything resembling a photographic memory or even an eidetic memory which is the audio version I think of a photographic one mm. I've had to learn the more I can consume to just pick out the highlights and go don't try and remember because my brain's thing if I've tried to pack too much in I suddenly forget how to use a dessert spoon <laughs> 
which I've described before. Yeah. I'll go to pick it up with three fingers, can't do it, and have to kind of do baby grip of just holding it in my fist until my brain calms the hell down and lets me remember how to use a spoon. Mm. It's a really weird... I don't know how my brain worked it out, but thank you, brain, for helping me. Mm, mm, mm. So I think this this is written with fiction books in mind, but this is, uh, I, I believe, an author called uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson. Oh, so classic American author. Yeah. I cannot remember the books I've read any more than the meals I have eaten. Even so, they have made me. What a great line. Yeah. Because even if it just affects you a little bit, you don't have to remember it specifically if it feeds into you going out into tomorrow with a slightly refined worldview and set of rules for interacting with the universe mm. you still win mm. and that's kind of the point is to just keep absorbing things that add personal value you know, to sum this up I think really it's listeners have a think about whether listening and reading in your quality world mm. and if they do why mm. and if they don't why not and not to say you have to change from they do matter to they don't matter or they don't matter to they do matter but it's good to know why you do what you do and why it matters mm. one way or the other like if you binge Netflix does the binging matter or is it who you binge with mm-hmm if you read is it the reading that matters or the fact you talk to it after with people you care about do you remember the books or like the marvellous quote Tim just read is it just the books inform you to go into tomorrow informed about the world in a slightly new way and that that's rewarding in of itself which is a pretty good thing to achieve from a book better yet if you can do it on blinkers for 15 minutes and then if you loved it read the book or listen to the book Happy either way. Mm. Strange meandering episode, but thank you very much, David, for coming in today. It's it's changed my mind a bit. I think you know, it's it's something that I'll think on. I think we can visit it again once we um maybe assess a bit more of Glasser. I want to kind of come back to that. Yeah, well, again, if we come back to Glasser and you also tell us how the Blinkist experiment goes. Yes, this could be really good. Mm. Thank you, Tim, and thank you, listeners. Hello listeners, if you're enjoying our podcast, please subscribe and like our Facebook page. Search for Blind Insights with David Olney. Also, don't forget that we have merchandise. Thank you to the Ozcast Network. Peace out.